Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning, and we're going to turn to God's Word. Uh, let's just pray as we turn, amen, to settle our hearts as we come around God's Word together, amen. Father, this morning we give you thanks and we give you praise, Lord, for the gathering of your people. We pray, Lord, as we come to your word, we ask for your help, Lord, for your anointing, for you to pour out your spirit upon us. Lord, we're praying this morning that you would give us understanding and enlightenment, Lord, that you would bring a revelation fresh from your word to every heart in this place, saved and lost. We pray that the wind of God would blow into this room this morning. Oh God, we realize, we understand that we are in perilous times. Lord, we realize that the world is being shaken. The nations are being shaken. And Lord, we pray, oh God, that in the midst of it, keep us near the cross. Lord, may we cling to the old rugged cross. Lord, keep us and keep our feet on the King's highway. Lord, would you undertake for us this morning, strengthen us, through the preaching of your word, and glorify your name. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. I'm starting just a new series this morning. It's going to be called, For All These Things Must Come to Pass. And uh, we're going to be looking at the key uh, events that will unfold in the last days uh, over these coming weeks. And uh, we're going to read, begin reading from Matthew chapter 24, and then we'll also be turning over into Second Thessalonians and chapter 2, so that we'll move into chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians in a few moments, but just to pre-warn you where we're going, and then we'll be uh, moving about after that. But uh, Matthew chapter 24 to begin with, familiar reading concerning the end times, and then Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. For all these things must come to pass. And this morning we're going to focus on the great falling away. The great falling away. Matthew chapter 24, and we're beginning to read at verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, that's uh, diseases. And if you're aware of what is happening currently with this coronavirus, uh, that is exactly what the Bible is speaking of. This outbreak of this coronavirus, it's called that because 
When you look under a microscope at the virus, it looks like the corona of the sun. And so it's the coronavirus that they have no cure for. And some of the terminology that you'll read from the reports is, this is the end of the world. That's what the secular reports are saying. A city of 10 million people are on lockdown. You can't go in or you can't come out. And this is uh, on the verge of an outbreak of this across the world. Now, Jesus told us of these things. His word is coming to pass. There will be pestilences, earthquakes, and diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows, just like a woman in childbirth. The pangs have come. If you just turn for a moment in Luke chapter 21, just again, Luke's account of the same discourse from the Lord. Luke 21 verse 9, he said here in his account, But then shall ye hear of wars and commotions, And Jesus said, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, famines, pestilences, fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. The report just in the last month, of uh, what has taken place in New South Wales and Australia. I don't know whether some of you read the report when they had to run for their lives to get to the sea, standing on the harbour as the bushfire swept over, and the picture of the whole sky, it looked as though it was completely red, a fearful sight, and people stood on the harbour crying out, and suddenly there was a change of wind and a great rejoicing went up that their lives had been spurred. But they said it was like the end of the world. They said that it was like the end of the world. Jesus said, for all these things must, must come to pass. These things will happen. His word is true. They must be fulfilled. When the Word of God, when Jesus prophesied and uh, informed us of these things with the disciples inquiring after Him, His Word will come to pass. Not one thing of which the Lord has said concerning these days will fail. Everything of what God says He will do, He will do it. He will perform it. His Word never fails. His integrity is that His Word is true and you can trust what He says. Our God never fails. His Word is absolutely true. Joshua found this out and writes in Joshua 21.45, There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. So everything of what you read in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25 concerning the last days and the events that will unfold, everything of which Jesus has said will come to pass. Without doubt, everything of what he said will come to pass. Now you know and I know that concerning the end times, we agree on the events that will unfold. 
There are different interpretations of how the event will unfold and who's involved in the event. But everyone agrees on the events unfolding. When you come to things that are very difficult to grasp for most of us, if not all of us, regarding uh, some, some of the very flamboyant pictures that you see that are presented to us in the book of Revelation. There's interpretations concerning the, 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 the how these things will happen and where they will happen and who will be involved. But there is absolute agreement on the event itself. So we see that the word of God will be true. God's word will be fulfilled. Now, if you turn in the second Thessalonians and chapter 2, I'm just going to take this bit by bit, if you don't mind, because it's important that we do. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now here Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he opens with these words, and I want you to get the sense of what he is saying. Now we beseech you, brethren, that's important. You, you understand that when you read these words, now we beseech you, the, the, the context or the sense of the letter is there's an urgency in what he's saying. It simply means that to fervently ask or Paul is actually begging the church to adhere with what he's about to say. The sense and the context of the writing. If you received a letter after visiting the doctor and a week later you receive a letter from the doctor and it said urgent on the front of it and you opened the letter and the letter said, would you please make a contact with your local GP urgently? Would you put the letter on the mantelpiece and say, I'll leave it to another time? So the context here that there's something urgent that Paul wants to put across to the church, he's actually begging them to listen to what he's saying. He's actually pleading with them not to miss what he's writing. He's begging them, he's beseeching them. And then you read here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, and then there's a little word, a two-letter two word, by... That's really important this morning. That is a primary preposition. That simply means where or when something is in relation to something else. So this is what he's saying. I am begging you, the church, the church of Jesus Christ, I am writing a letter to you and I am begging you. And this relates to two things. By, here it is, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I beg of you to listen to what I'm saying by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the day of the Lord. And this is just simple this morning. The three S's, the soon and the sure and the sudden, sudden coming day of the Lord. Just remember that. So he's begging the church on the basis of the coming of the Lord. And number two, what does he say? And by our gathering together unto him. Two things that he pleads with the church. Number one, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, as you gather together onto Him. The gathering of the church is onto Jesus. The whole purpose of the gathering this morning, of any assembly, the whole purpose of us coming together is nothing else and no one else but Jesus Christ. 
On the him shall the gathering of the people be. So Paul is pleading with the church on these two things. Number one, the soon, the sudden return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, on the gathering of the church together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I plead with you. Then he says in verse two, look at it. That ye be soon, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Now the reason why he's saying that is because what is going to unfold can cause you to be shaken and can cause you to be troubled. If you don't look at these things and know that these things in themselves and the events that are unfolding can cause us to be troubled or shaken. Isn't that true? The word shaken means to be disturbed in your mind. I'm so thankful, and you should be so thankful if you're saved this morning with the unfolding events. Now we have a peace that passes understanding. We should be thankful this morning that we have a hope that this world don't have because they are troubled. They may not show it. They may continue to party. They may continue to do the things that they do. But praise the Lord this morning, we're saved. We do have a hope in the midst of all of this mess. And so Paul's saying, don't be disturbed in your mind or be troubled. That simply means don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he says by three things. Number one, neither by spirit, small s, neither by word or neither by letter as from us. Three things, right? Don't be shaken or don't be troubled by these three things. Number one, spirit. Now Paul, I believe, is referring to, and we'll put this in context, to the Antichrist spirit that is rising, the Antichrist spirits, plural, and ultimately the Antichrist. So we are witnessing the rise of an Antichrist system in every type of area of our society. So whether it's political, whether it's social, whether it's educational, whatever area you look in currently, the influence of all of the world systems is an antichrist spirit. It's against Jesus Christ and his church. But praise the Lord, he's overcome. We must know that he's overcome because we're in him. We overcome. But that doesn't prevent the rise of the antichrist spirit. So he's saying, don't be troubled by this. Don't be shaken by this. Don't be afraid by what you're going to witness. Because there is the spirit, the antichrist spirit that's at work. Now 1 John, if you can turn to chapter 2, verse 18. The apostle John writes 1 John 2 and 18. Speaking of this antichrist spirit. Little children, 1 John 2, 18. It is the last time. And as you have heard, the church was aware that Antichrist, singular, shall come. Shall come. Listen, all these things must come to pass. Are you hearing this this morning? These things must happen because God's Word tells us that. The Antichrist shall come. Even now. When's now? Now's right now. It's presently. Even now, there are many antichrists. There are many antichrists that are against the Lord Jesus Christ, that are against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, whereby 
when we see this, when we know this, when we sense this, when we witness this on every aspect of our lives, in the workplace, in the home, in society, in schools, on the radio, on the TV, newspapers, everything that you're reading and hearing today, would you not agree with me? It's anti-Christ. It is anti-Christ. They're completely against Christ and his people. We hear it constantly. Now we know then, whereby we know, John says, it's the last times. It's the last days. As we talked last, it's the last of the last days. As we see this rising. Then he says that we're not to be disturbed or troubled by word. What's going to happen when you look at Revelation chapter 13 is in the rise of the Antichrist system, look what it says in Revelation 13 and verse 5. And this is the Antichrist, but it, the Antichrist will share this particular drive. And there was given unto him, Revelation 13 and 5, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. That's all we hear. Isn't that all we hear? Blasphemy against the things of God. You know, I wouldn't even mention it this morning, but just referring to it. But those movies that they're making to portray, how they portray the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's blasphemy. They'll not do it with Muhammad. But they will do it with Jesus. I mean, it is absolutely heartrending to see what they are putting out there today because it's, it's, they've been given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies. And they are now vocal in every area. I mean, it is, it is brutal. It is brutal what we're facing, what we're hearing. And that goes from not just from Hollywood, if you like, and, and, do, and so forth. But this is right down into every aspect of our lives, every fabric of our society, right down into where you work. There is, that is an antichrist spirit. And that antichrist spirit has a voice. And you know what it is? It's militant. Isn't it militant? What a day. It's militant in its voice. Why? Because the antichrist, but the antichrist and his kingdom is rising rapidly. Now, all these things must come to pass. Not only that, we know, and here's what we do know. In Jude verse 15, when the Lord comes, he will execute judgment upon all and convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. And listen to this. Listen, when the next time someone berates you and comes against you with all their fury, listen to this. Pray for them, because this is what the Bible says. He will execute judgment of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There's a judgment day to that. There's a day of account to that. Next time you hear some wise person, some comedian or some radio presenter, and they're going for it against the Lord Jesus Christ, you pray for him, because judgment's coming. The day of the Lord... Is at hand. Now, he said thirdly, and this ties into where we're going this morning, neither by spirit nor by word, that's things spoken, nor by letter as from us. Now, theologians are split here 
But I, I'll, I'll tell you what I believe. Some believe that it was just a general statement that whether it was from Paul or other apostles, but when you read it, the other side is this, a letter as from us. If though it's a letter, if though it seems it came from the apostles, but it didn't. It didn't come from the apostles, but it's someone who is, it's an imposter who is trying to make himself out to be an apostle. And he's writing letters to the church to influence the church. We don't have letters to go about today. We just have YouTube. We just have YouTube. It's easier today. We don't have to post it and everything else and get someone to travel. You just click on and you'll get everything of all the deception you want at the click of a finger. The day of Christ, Paul says back in the second Thessalonians, is at hand. In other words, it's near. He's about to come. And this ties into what we have just said because I believe this is deception. Verse 3. Let, what does he say? Let no man deceive you by any means. Do not be deceived. Now Paul here is basically repeating the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go back at the Matthew chapter 24. Let no man deceive you by any means. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4. What did the Lord say? Jesus answered unto them when their question was, Tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And the end of the world. When is the end of the world? Lord, would you tell us? The first thing that the Lord says, Take heed that no man, what does he say? Deceive you. So Paul picks up that and says, Let no man deceive you by any means. The word deceive simply means to cause you to wander off or cause you to, uh, to roam or to seduce you in any way or cause you to be deluded. Don't let anyone do this to you. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, what does Jesus say? Matthew 24 and 11, And many false prophets shall arise. And what does he say? Remember, all these things must come to pass. Many false prophets shall arise. And what will they do? And shall deceive many. Now remember what our title of our series is. All these things, say the word must. Must. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Must come to pass. And what happens? Look at this. And deceive, not few, but deceive many. That should cause us to be concerned. Look at verse 24 of Matthew 24. This is the words of Jesus Christ. For there shall arise, he says shall arise, not might arise, but shall arise. Listen to this. False Christs, false prophets, now listen to this, what the Lord said. And shall show great signs and wonders. Did you, read, did you read that? Did you hear it? They will show false Christ, false prophets, and they will show great signs and wonders, and so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. They will be a demonstration See this, this terminology that the Lord uses is exactly the terminology that is used of him when we come to signs and wonders. 
When Peter talked in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs. It's exactly the same. He was approved by supernatural uh, demonstrations of the gospel. He healed the sick. He restored the blinded eye. He opened deaf and ears. He raised the dead. He set the captive free. He cleansed the leper. His name's Jesus. The false Christ, false teachers, false prophets will also demonstrate, now this is where we need to be so ready and open, will also be a, show a demonstration of supernatural power. So if something happened, this, I want to put this just to you this morning. If someone arrives um, in the Odyssey Arena Belfast and everyone's talking about, oh boy, what a night we had. I mean, you, you want to see the things that happened. There were supernatural things. There was miracles in the Odyssey. Because we're all at the, at the point of praying and believing for a move of the Spirit of God, we need to make sure that it's a real move. Because what will happen is the Odyssey Arena will be jam-packed with people, genuine, wanting to see the reality of God, but won't be deceived. Because that in itself, that in itself is part of the deception. So how do we know? How are we able to discern between that? You know what would happen if there was an outbreak of signs and wonders across Northern Ireland right at this moment? Because that's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing for. And we should because that is the gospel, the true gospel. Signs and wonders follow them that believe. But Jesus said that false prophets, false teachers will demonstrate signs, miracles, and wonders. There'll be a supernatural evidence of their ministry. And if it's possible, if it's possible, which it is possible, they could deceive even the very elect. Does that cause you to be concerned? Remember what we said, all these things must come to pass. Paul writing to the church, the church of God at Corinth, he writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This was a church that experienced the manifestation of the gifts. They witnessed the supernatural part of God. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, this is what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. I fear, this is what Paul writes. He says, but I fear lest by any means, listen to the words, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the, what does he say, the simplicity that is in Christ. Look at what he says. I'm fearing that as the serpent beguiled Eve, in the very same way that this would happen to you, the church of Corinth, and that you would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to just go into this watching how deception comes, how to know, how to watch it, how to be careful, because one thing that you will find in the, all of that false ministry is they'll move you away from the cross. 
It will not be about Christ and the cross. It will be about the people and how they feel. That's already happened, by the way. This, what I'm preaching this morning, we're not waiting to happen. We're in the full swing of it. So they want to take away the... Know what that word simplicity means? Your liberality that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed. Praise the Lord for the blood this morning, the Word of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, a name that's above every name, a home in heaven. But they want to take us away from the simplicity and come with great revelations, new teachings, new ideas, new ministries, new ways. Things that... We'll say to people like me, you need to come into the revelation of what's happening, but none of it's found within the book itself. But then there's signs and wonders. Somebody got a touch. This happened. This happened. This this happened. Did you not hear what happened? And then all of a sudden you're standing, you're going, oh. But you got a witness of the Holy Ghost. He goes on down the chapter in 2 Corinthians verse 11, and this is where we need to be careful. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 13, for such, this is, this is what Paul writes, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves. Look what they transform themselves into, the apostles of Christ. The apostles of of Christ, verse 14. And then he says, and no marvel, look at this because this is important. Remember Paul's begging the church. He's actually pleading with the church. And don't marvel at this because this is what he says, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He can appear as light. You listen to this this morning. He can appear as light. Then he says, Therefore, it is no great thing if the ministers, his ministers, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. In other words, under this influence and the power, Satan's power, they will present themselves as apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deception in the church. They'll have a Bible. They'll talk the similar language. They don't walk in and go false teacher badge. And so they appear as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. They are transformed by a a demonic power, satanic power, into ministers of righteousness, but they're false. This is what the Bible says. All these things must come to pass. It's not necessarily comfortable listening, but it's truth. In Paul's catalog of trials, at the end of that chapter, one of his trials and tribulations, he says in verse 26, I was in pearls among false brethren, a counterfeit church. False teachers, false prophets, false... Paul faced it in his day. You see, man will creep in to spy out the liberty that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll want to bring us back into bondage. Take us away from the cross. 
Take us away from the blood. Take us away from the all-sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take us away from the preaching of the gospel. That is the power of God unto salvation. Take us away from the old past, the old ancient landmarks. Take us away from the highway of holiness. Take us away from the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Take us away from all the fullness of Christ in the body. Take us away from those things because they have new revelations that we need to hear. 2 Peter chapter 2, if you turn to it, is what Peter says. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Peter 2, verse 1. Peter says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in, what does he say? Damnable heresies. Strong language, isn't it? Maybe too strong for the church today. We don't like it too strong. Even denying the Lord that bought them. Now listen, they are not going to say, this is the deception. They're not going to say, we deny the Lord Jesus Christ, even though that there are some parts of some of the main traditional denominations have denied the deity of Christ openly. No problem in that now. And still function as a church but we know they're not the body of Christ. But it isn't that they will deny the Lord publicly. What they will do is, and I want you to listen because this is important, they will say, no, we love God and we love Jesus. He's a God of love and Jesus loves everybody. But they will deny parts of his word. We don't accept that that is the infallible Word of God. We don't believe that what it says is true. We don't believe that all these things must come to pass. We ourselves will decide which parts of it we will believe. God is love, which God is love. But we will deny the parts of it that does not suit our lifestyle and how we live. But we do love God. And we need to all come together and everyone be together in God's great love, right? Have anyone ever heard anything like that? You hear it everywhere. So they will not deny him, but they'll deny his word. They'll deny his word, what he says. They become so much smarter than God himself. Actually, they're God in their own minds. They'll deny the Lord that brought them and they'll bring upon themselves, listen what happens, swift destruction. Verse 2 says there in 2 Peter 2 and 2, and many shall follow their pernicious, the original word is that word lasciviousness, pernicious, lasciviousness ways. What does that mean? Many will follow. Look at what it says here again. Many is going to go this way. Many's going to go with it. What does it mean? See that word in the old-fashioned way. It means that mischievousness. It means that everything of what they want, they'll take part of the Christian part of it, but everything of what that is is for their own selfish gain. Three areas. Sexual immorality, finance, and power. Right back at the core of it all. Sexual immorality, finance, and power. 
but they'll bring that and mix that with Christianity and their gospel. And so what happens here is that when all the scandals begin to break, when they all start coming out, and when you hear about it and in your heart you grieve and you go, oh God, there's another broken home, there's another uh, church that's separated over power struggles, and there's another man that's been taking the money from the church and buying his jets and and floundering it and doing all sorts of things for his own selfish gain. And when it comes out, what happens then? Listen what happens. Look at the last part of the verse. By reason of whom? Because of these things. Know what happens? The way of truth is evil spoken of. In other words, they speak evil. The world then say, Christianity? Did you not hear what happened in that church? I wouldn't be bothered with that. Has anyone ever heard someone say that? Have you heard? I'm bound to hinge. I've done many times that I've met people, stopped with people, talked with people. Church, did you see what happened around there? No, I don't know what happened around there. I don't want to know what happened around there. But then they'll say, you Christians are all the same. They, they speak evil of the way of truth. And that's what's happening all across our country. Right at this moment, the world are saying, and you know the world because we were once in the world. And the people that we used to run with are saying, Dead on. That's Christianity. I don't want anything to do with it. How many people know that's true? Unfortunately, I've heard this said before. I'm going to say it myself. But sometimes the world see it quicker than most people in the church. And so you meet people all the time. Christianity. Who won't want to be part of that? Have you seen what happened around there? Did you see what happened around there? Did you hear the latest what happened over here? We don't want to be part of that. But the way of truth then is evil spoken of. The way of truth is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But now because of the corruption, what happens, many are following their pernicious ways, selfish motives. The reason what it's all about is just have a little bit of gospel and a little bit of this, but then it suits my lifestyle. I can do what I want. It's all about me in the end, isn't it? Look at the prayer of the psalmist. If we want to stay close to the Lord and walk through this and take heed, lest any of us should fall. The psalmist prays these, these words in Psalm 119, verse 29. And I would encourage you to mark it out, put a big box around it, underline it, Write it out, mark it down, but listen to the words of the psalmist. Psalm 119 and verse 29. This is what he says. With you all get there. Psalm 119, verse 29. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Give me your word. That's what the psalmist is saying. Remove me from the way of lying the deception, but grant to me graciously your law. I have chosen. Here's a decision. How many people are going to make this choice in their hearts today? I have chosen the way of truth. How many people would make that their prayer this morning? I want to choose the way of truth. I want to choose Jesus this morning because he's truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Verse 31, I love this verse. 
And I love what it says. And I love how he says it. I have stuck. I'm stuck this morning. Under thy testimonies. You know what the word stuck means? It means glued. You know, has anyone ever said to you, because it's been said to me, not that it's, I don't really mind, you're stuck. I'm going to stay stuck. You, you see usins, as we said here. I know it's not proper grammar. But see usins. Use are stuck. You're stuck in the past. You're st- the church has moved on. We're stuck. Praise the Lord, we're stuck. I've got a verse for it this morning. The next time they say to you, get them to Psalm 119. Get the guns out. No, be gracious now. <laughs> Sorry. I got sidetracked there. I, I have stuck... I have stuck. What has he stuck to? He's stuck to the testimonies of the Lord because they're true, they're real. He still saves. He sets people free. He heals broken hearts. He heals troubled minds. He sets the captive free. He restores the years the locusts have eaten. He comes with a song in the night. Praise the Lord this morning. He washes us in the old, his own precious blood. Thank God for the power of the Word of God this morning. Thank God it never changes. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank God He's coming back again soon. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Are you stuck? This is, this is what's going to keep us from deception. going to keep me from deception. Take heed. Take heed. Take heed. I'm stuck on thy testimony. Oh Lord, put me not to shame. Verse 32. I will run the way of thy commandments. When thou shalt enlarge my heart, I want to run in his way. I tell you, we we'll want to run, don't we? We we'll want to run well. We want to finish well. We want to endure to the end. We want to complete the course. We don't want to pack it in or walk away or get fed up and throw the towel in. We want to finish well. And I will run the way of thy commandments. Now look at 33, 34, 35, and 36. Teach me, give me, make me, incline me, And turn me. Look what he says. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. And I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding. And I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. For therein do I delight. Verse 36. Incline my heart to thy testimonies. And not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And quicken thou me. Quicken us in the way of the Lord. Lord, quicken us. Write this down. Underline it and keep it. I believe it's a prayer that keeps us from deception. The days that we are in will be marked then with false Christ, apostles and teachers. 1 John 4 and 1. 1 John 4 and 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because, so you got to discern. Now remember Spurgeon said, I've said it before, but Spurgeon said this is his interpretation of discernment. And if he said it, I think he probably knows better than most of us, if you don't mind me saying that. It's not so much knowing what's right and wrong. 
It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Because almost right is deadly. That's where the deception is. They've nearly got it all, but there's just something. Like they're nice people, but there's just something here that they don't believe in. I want to tell you something that's the most deadly. It's not that we go everywhere and get the sheet out and go, okay, redemptional, King James, okay, you're okay. Because that just creates a pride in us that we're better than everybody else. We're not. But there's a sense in the Spirit, there's a witness in the Holy Ghost. There's a discernment. Do we need discernment? Not because we're going to run around and try and beat everybody right, but honestly, our desire is to see a recovery out of the deception. It's not to say, that's them, that's us, we're good. It's to say, God, oh God, I tell you, brothers and sisters, I say this this morning, if it hadn't been for the Lord and His mercy in our lives, then we would have been in full-blown deception today, but it was His mercy that recovered us. So God can recover. God can recover. Many false prophets are going into the world. Now if you go back in the 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, For that day shall not come. Remember, all these things must come to pass, but the day of the Lord will not come. Listen, this is what the Bible says. For that day shall not come. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, except. So the day will only come, can only come, except or come, a falling away first. A falling away. I want to put it to you that we are currently in the midst of the great falling away. Now, that, that simply means, it, the Greek word is apostasia, but it simply means a defection from the truth. People will move from the truth. What is truth? This is truth. No matter what the scientists, the professors, the intellectuals, the universities, the, the, the politicians, whatever they all say, here's truth. It's the Bible. And they are falling away as a defection from the truth. Now, some people have said to me over the years, but they weren't saved in the first place. That's a nonsense. These are people that have tasted of the gift. They have tasted of the heavenly gift. They have walked with the Lord but they defect from the truth of God's word. It's the great apostasy of the last days. I'm going to come to this in a minute because I'll show you how it happens. I believe the Lord has given me a little bit of insight in how it happens. They forsake biblical truth. There is currently a seismic departure from the faith. This is much greater than what probably any of us realize. There is a seismic departure from the, a defection from the truth. And we know many people who have. 
the abandonment of what one has once professed, to depart from that is the apostasy, is the great falling away. Now what you must know is this, that in the main, this does not mean they leave the church gatherings and go and start another church, and that church is called the Church of the Apostasia. And then someday somebody's driving along saying, New wee church in Balna Hinch, Church of the Apostasia, thought I'd give it a wee go on Sunday morning. You don't think that would happen? I believe it would happen again. Oh, it's great. You want to see the lights and the music? Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, I felt shivers up and down my spine. The Church of the Apost. You think, listen, the name just might be a little bit different, but it's happening everywhere this morning. So it doesn't come like what you think, that all of a sudden there's this new organization created, the Church of the Falling Away. Ooh, I'd like to try that one. That sounds great. The deception of it is, is so much more. I know that sounds funny, but I'm going to tell you something. This is happening everywhere this morning. It just may not be that they have a blatant name, but it's happening everywhere. And this happens from within. As individuals or pockets of people or groups of people, sometimes it happens in movements, sometimes it happens in even denominations. A whole denomination can hold their re-council, get all together and say, church is making a statement on our, on our faith and we're going to change what the Bible says and this is what we believe. That's apostasy. doesn't matter how many gowns they have or what titles they have or how very reverent they are. Once they change this, that is a defection from the truth, and that is the apostasy, the great falling away. It happens in movements, but I believe the subtlety of it is, is much more closer to home. It happens from just very simply within. Individuals defect from what God says to what they think, what they believe, or even, you'll hear this too, the Spirit told me. The Spirit told me, I feel in my spirit. That is one of the most dangerous things. I know we are people that believe in the Holy Spirit. But see, in Pentecostal circles, one of the most dangerous things is people's personal revelations with no accountability to this. In the apostasy, the truth is no longer the truth. The authority of the Bible is no longer seen as Authoritative. We don't like authority. Doesn't sit well. We don't like, you know, I was brought up, thank God for it, even when I didn't want it. But I was brought up by a mom and dad who taught me what it was to be committed, to be faithful, to be dedicated. Even when, I'm going to tell you something, when I hated going to church, but they put principles in me and I thank God for them that they've stood by us and these are the principles that are found. wasn't a good idea. The authority of the Bible is now open to interpretation. 
we can apply it according to what we think ourselves. What I feel. No, it's about me. I know about the Bibles, but it doesn't matter what the Bible it's about me. This is this open. I want to show you something. This actually is the beginning of deception. Second Timothy chapter four, Paul, the same writer, is writing to Timothy. Paul is at the latter stages of his life. He is putting a charge. He is charging young Timothy, a preacher. He is charging him with what he should be or do. Second Timothy chapter four, verse one. I want to show you how it begins. So you can see it this morning from God's word. Second Timothy chapter four and verse one. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does he say? Preach the word. That's not just the preachers. That's to every child of God in this room this morning. Wherever you may be, you don't need a pulpit in your office or a pulpit in your workplace or a pulpit when you're out sailing. Preach the word. Always be ready to give an account of the hope that is within you. Be instant in season and out of season. Do it whether it's a good time or a bad time. Do it whether you feel like it or you don't feel like it. Do it whether the sun's shining or it's thunder and it's lightning and rain. Do it while it's hot and do it while it's cold. But in every season, preach the word. You know what that actually means? It simply means, you know what he was saying? I know it's military terms that he's using because we're in an army. We're to endure hardship as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what it actually means to preach the word? Be instant season. He simply said to Timothy, you stay at your post. That's what he means. That's what it actually means. Stay at your post. Don't desert your post. Stay at your post. I don't know where I feel like it or not. In season and out of season, preach the gospel, regardless of how you feel. Be faithful in preaching at all times. Don't desert your post. Stay at your post. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Listen, verse 3. For the time will come. Here's, here is the beginning of deception. I want to show you it this morning. For the time will come when they will not endure. Do you know what that means? We're not putting up with this. That's what actually that would turn me. They will not endure. We have had enough of this. We are not. Listen, there's a guy down the road there, and he's so funny. And he tells great stories. The church is packed. but don't really do much of the preaching thing. We sort of have it. Everybody has their own we say. But it feels so much better. And see all that old stuff. See your man. Or there's many like me across this world. And across this congregation this morning. They're all stuck. But we have a great time Sunday morning. Actually. Do you know in the end. We just go out. And we head to the beach and all. And it's all great. There's going to come a time. Can I tell you. We're right in it. We're not putting up with this anymore. 
See your old Christianity thing and all this cross and the blood and sin and hell and heaven? No. God just wants me to have a good time. God just wants me to enjoy myself and just, you know, there's no harm in having fun. They're not going to boot up with They don't want to hear about your cross. They don't want to hear about the blood. They certainly don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to hear about a heaven again and a hell to shun. They don't want to hear about eternity. They don't want to hear. They want to go somewhere on a Sunday. They might as well go to a football match. They might as well play golf because they might as well do all those things because that's what the world are looking for. They're looking for to belong to something. But we're not going to boot up with sound doctrine anymore. We're finished with this because here's the key to deception. Here is what opens the door. But after their own, what does it say? Lust. That's it right there. Do you know where it goes right down to? Right into the very core of man, but after their own lusts. No longer are they going to be guided by the preaching of the gospel. No longer are they going to be under anything, any, any type of belonging to anything. But now after their own lusts, the lustful church opens the door to deception. It's what I want. It's how I feel. It's my desire. Know what they'll do? And they're going to find them. Because they're a dime a dozen today. They'll heap to themselves teachers. It's not just one. There's a heap of them. You'll find them everywhere. They're coming out of the woodwork. You think of those preachers till today all across this country, across the denominations, standing in pulpits, preaching the gospel, preaching the truth, week in, week out, preaching the word. And all through the week, the congregation or parts of their congregation have been listening to all the fluff on YouTube. Then they come in Sunday morning, and a man of God has prepared his heart, sought the word of God, sought the spirit of God, got before the throne of God, got onto an altar to get a word for the congregation. Some turn up, some don't, but he brings the word anyway. But they've been listening to all the fluff all week. They're so full, they can't take any more. And they find new teachers. And you know if they don't find a teacher, you know what they do? They become one themselves. I have a good idea. I'll be my own teacher. I'll do it my way. The Frank Sinatra's set in. And then they'll get themselves teachers. This one, that one, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one just keeps coming. Have you heard this one? Have you heard that one? Have you heard this one? Have you heard that one? Teachers says, have an itching ear. Have you ever had an itchy ear? When you get an itchy ear, the first thing you have to do, you have to grab it, don't you? Like you get an itch in your ear. It's they're compelled to go after it. It's like they can't get enough of the false teachers. You think this has never happened before? God's people only brought out of Egypt. 
delivered by the mighty hand of God, brought through the Red Sea, seen Pharaoh's army destroyed. A few days into that wilderness, Exodus 32, when the people saw that Moses delayed, come down the mountain, they gathered themselves together unto Aaron, said unto him, up, make us gods that are going to go before us. Just give us somebody else here. No, we'll do. We'll just bring all our gold in. We'll make a nice golden calf. We'll strip naked. We'll dance around it. Do you know, do you think this hasn't happened before? This is as old as the hills. Somebody was sharing with me yesterday. You know, there's this particular church. No, we do on Sunday mornings. Just to me. I'm so glad that we still meet at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning to sell our hearts, to wait on the Lord and to pray. I'm so glad we do that. I'll tell you why. See, when I heard this yesterday, no, we do. No, no, in this church, we play some secular music as people are coming in to make them feel at ease. So you could be walking in and some, you know, I don't know, Celine Dion or something singing to you. And this is you walking into the house of God. No, no, this is happening. Some might find it funny, but I tell you what, it grieves the Holy Ghost. It's everywhere. This is the way to go. This makes people feel at ease. What next? I'll tell you what next. Broken marriages and adulteries next. What they'll do is, verse 4, these things will come to pass, must come to pass. 2 Timothy 4 and 4. I'm closing two minutes. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. They will do this and shall be turned onto fables. Or know what it is? Stories. Stories. Just tell us a wee funny story. That's really enjoyable. Do you know what happens? And this is where we have to be careful. I'm closing. This is where we also have to be careful with testimonies. People love to come and hear we testimony. Especially if he's going to tell us all the gory details. Oh, I love that. I'm going to tell you what testimony is. The testimony is the power of Almighty God to save a rotten, filthy sinner like me and like you. And it's the cross, the blood, and it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Better not to give them all the gory details because you'll get the crowd. But next Sunday night, when the man of God's going to preach the gospel, preach the cross, preach the truth, preach the reality and the fullness of God, where are they? They're back in the house watching EastEnders. Storytellers. The pulpits are filled with storytellers. I'll tell you a story. How did you enjoy the service? Oh, it was great. Really great wee story. Nothing of the cross, nothing of the blood, nothing of heaven, nothing of hell, nothing about a damn world that's about to be plunged into eternity forever and forever and forever. False teachers, prophets, false apostles, ministers under the influence of satanic power. And friends, see, once you open the door and say, it's about what I feel and what I want, you have opened the door to deception. And many, many will follow that way. Lord, Lord, help us. Keep us from the way of liars and the way of lying. 
But Lord, we want to run in the way of truth. Graciously reveal to us your word. Let us apply it to our hearts. Let us live for him. Let us believe him. Lord, help us this morning. We pray. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father.